It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 23rd, 2020. My name is Philip and I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to chat with John Corrales about what a hypothetical matchup what the Boston Celtics would look like for the Orlando Magic as we should be talking about Game 2 and preparing for Game 3 today on the show, but we're not. So we're still going to talk a little playoff basketball as, the, as we do look a little bit ahead toward the playoffs whenever they might happen and look at what, uh, this, what, what the matchups might be for the Orlando Magic. You can go back to our podcast a few days ago with Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors to hear, my th- hear our thoughts on what a, a possible matchup with the Toronto Raptors would look like. Today, we're going to do the Boston Celtics, who trail the Raptors by three games. Not impossible for them to catch up uh, to the Raptors, but uh, probably unlikely at this point. Uh, we'll, we'll see, of course. We'll, we'll see what happens when the league gets back on underway uh, whenever that uh, does occur. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Boston Celtics? Check out Locked On Celtics. In fact, I would highly encourage you to check out Locked On Celtics this week. John got a, an interview with Celtics general manager Danny Ainge, plus he's replaying an old interview that he did 
with Robert Parrish, all-time great Boston Celtic. If you're a fan of basketball history or just you know, the modern NBA or, or the Boston Celtics, I'm, you know, I, I, I think there's some Celtics fans, at least in, in Orlando, check out Locked On Celtics today. Definitely, definitely worth your your check worth a check. John John's a friend. Friend, uh, I've had him. We've had him down here for summer league in the past. Good guy and runs a great show uh, on 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 the Boston Celtics. So definitely check that out. Plus, the NFL draft is tomorrow or today, I guess, when this is being aired. Um, it, it's also tomorrow because because the NFL draft takes multiple days. Um, but if you want the lowdown on the NFL draft, we have a full host coast of NFL podcasts, just like the NBA. There's NFL podcasts out the wazoo. Whether it's Locked On NFL, I believe there's a Locked On NFL Draft, plus team podcasts, Locked On Buccaneers, or Locked On Bucks, Locked On Dolphins, and Locked On Jaguars, plus every other team in the NFL, if you want a listen. No matter which team you follow, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, MLB, college, or NHL too, there's a Locked On podcast for you. Just search wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. And we are joined now by John Corrales, the host of Locked On Celtics, a good friend of the pod. I, I miss those days uh, playing playing hoops in the uh, in the in the Orlando Summer League. John, H- how have you been? Like- <laughs> I know I miss the Orlando Summer League so much. Actually, uh, I've been good, man. I've been just kind of relaxing. You trying to use this hiatus as a bit of a reset, um, and just kind of roll with it, man. Not not much else you can do, really. Yeah, I think I think we all are trying to use it a little bit as a reset. Um, but you know, us being us on that podcast life, always, always driving, still grinding, baby. Doesn't that, it never stops? It never, never stops. Um, nope. And certainly, the basketball never stops. Um, of course, uh, this week was supposed to be the first week of the NBA playoffs. We should be talking about a game two, maybe a game three at this point of of the week as as playoff series get going and. Uh, we, we, I spoke to Sean Woodley of Lockdown Raptors earlier in the week, and I wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit about what a hypothetical Magic Celtics series might look like as as the, the Celtics were, I believe, three games back of Toronto for the second seed. You know, still within striking distance with about 15, 16 games to play. Orlando, mm-hmm. obviously, a half game back of Brooklyn for seventh. I think most Magic fans would would say that that there's a good chance Orlando would have caught Brooklyn if the season had played out the way uh, the way it was meant to. Um, but we're all sitting here kind of with nothing else to do. And so I wanted to kind of just start start by getting your assessment of of how the Celtics played this this year. Obviously, you know, you lose Kyrie, but you add Kemba Walker, and then you have all those young guys, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, especially really seeming to come into their own. Uh what's what's been special about this Celtics season so far? Well, I, I think the the most special thing about this team is uh the emergence of their their young stars, uh, I think that's that's been the the biggest uh, takeaway is that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown have taken those those leaps forward. Where uh, in the past years, people outside of Boston and some people inside of Boston were getting on Danny Ainge for you know, why don't you trade Jalen Brown for this or why don't you trade Jason Tatum for that? You start to see uh, some of the the reasons why. Danny Ainge was was not willing to just give those guys away or or trade them away for for things that might not have panned out. Uh, you know, he wasn't willing to take big chances with with trading these guys because you can see that Jason Tatum became an All Star. Jalen Brown was in the All Star conversation and and may become an All Star. You can see him becoming an All Star. Uh, 
Kemba coming in, I think Kemba was really special this season in that he allowed so much of this to happen. Like he came in and was like, whatever you guys need me to do, uh, you guys are the stars. I'm here to kind of support you. And I'm not here to be like, he's like the anti Kyrie. And even however much better you think Kyrie Irving is than Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker makes up for it in the, uh, the stepping back and encouragement of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and, and all of these other guys to be who they are because Kemba seriously, all he wants to do is win. Uh, and, and that comes off as a, a bit of a cliche, but I can tell you that I, everything I've seen from him this season in person, in the locker room at practice, it's all geared towards winning. And he seriously does not care whether, um, whether it's him or whoever it is that's that's doing all that stuff, uh, that that's helping them win. Uh, if he scores no points and the Celtics win, he's happy. So that that kind of feeling of just happiness, good vibes, and and the the youth kind of taking those big steps forward. If if nothing else happens, that that would be my biggest takeaway from the season for the Celtics. Yeah, it, it, you know Boston's just. I mean, they've been kind of on this. It almost feels like a, a fairy tale ride since since they broke up their their kind of title teams of the of the late two thousand two thousands early twenty tens, um, those title runs and and you know I, I know I get a lot of Magic fans who are like oh Boston you know Boston Orlando started their rebuilds at the same time but they're so far ahead and I say look when you can trade Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett for what five first round picks you're you're gonna and 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 the Nets flame out and you end up getting you know top three picks because of that you're you're gonna be ahead and so I, I don't think. The, the, the comparison, you know, comparing rebuilds, I think that's always a bad idea because each situation is different. Orlando couldn't get five first-round picks for Dwight Howard. Everyone knew that they were backed into a corner, and, and really Dwight was only going to go to, like, three different places. Uh, so they they got, you know, honestly, Orlando did about as good as they could. They obviously get, still have Nikola Vucevic from that trade eight years later, and he's an all-star, and while, you know, Magic fans are sometimes hot and cold with Nikola Vucevic, uh, the Magic, I, I you know, no one was going to win that trade, but... Uh, they they came out as well as they could, um, but uh, obviously I think something else was the reason why they they were so slow to, to develop. And a lot of it's kind of what you hit on in that Boston is really focused on developing their young players. They've you know they've taken some chances on guy on guys and they panned out, but you know the, the draft picks that they needed to hit on they, they got they got the lottery lottery luck to to get them, uh, and then they found guys that 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 could develop into stars. They put them in the right atmosphere and the right environment. And, and they've kind of let them grow. And so Boston, like, yes, they went out and got a free agent in Kemba Walker, who's who's really good. I, I think he is, you know, better than Kyrie. I think the only reason why people don't probably view Kyrie as better is because Kyrie was playing, you know, on a bigger stage for the early part of his career where Kemba spent most of his career in Charlotte, which, you know, even when Charlotte's good, they're pretty nondescript. They they struggled, you know, with the salary cap to find the right pieces. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me that that Kemba went to Boston and said, I just want to win because he's done the I've scored. I'm scoring 25 points a night and not winning. He want I mean, winning is what matters to him at, at the end of the day. And he's he won at UConn, obviously, and he's kind of struggled to get himself going in the NBA. But what I wanted to kind of ask you is for, for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown specifically, how important do you think it was for their development? That they developed in an atmosphere that that stressed winning. You know, not not only could not only did the could they contribute to a winning team, but the the Celtics kind of needed them to contribute to a winning team. 
uh, to get to the conference finals and in, in their, I think their first two seasons in the NBA or, or, or get, you know, kind of in the, in the vicinity of the conference finals and playing in the playoffs early on in their careers. Well, I think they're kind of built to, mm-hmm. to handle this stuff fairly well. Um, but at the same time, they, they're still both young and, and have their own kind of internal struggles with all of this. I think it, it's, it's more advantageous for them to come into a system where uh, Brad Stevens was their coach than the, where it was, whether it was Boston or, or anywhere else. Uh, Boston is, is a tough place to play. Uh, especially as expectations rise, uh, there's like last season, the expectations around the team, you know, Tatum's in his uh, second year, Brown's in his third year. Uh, they just come off a conference finals, almost trip to the NBA finals. They're, they're kind of feeling themselves a little bit, but things aren't working out. Okay. That's disappointing. But the fans last season, I mean, there, there were a lot of boos in the garden. There were a lot of boos in the garden. And, and that's just – that's tough for guys who are, are trying to kind of develop. But at the same time, being there with Brad Stevens, having that encouragement and having gone through that, following up last season with Kemba Walker coming in and kind of uh, – with, with that encouragement that I talked about, it was a good learning experience, I think, for them to have gone through that, understand the pressures of the city, understand what the fans are are, are doing, how how they how they how much they love you when you're winning, and how much they they'll love you even when you're losing, if if you're like a scrappy team, like they Boston fans aren't like Philly fans where losing sucks and you're going to get booed no matter what. If you're a scrappy team that's doing their best, then Boston fans are going to love you. They're going to they're going to really be behind you and they appreciate good effort more than anything. Uh, that's why Marcus Smart might be the most popular player on the team because he's just, you know, uh, hard-nosed. He's an act. <laughs> he's yeah, right, exactly. So, um ha- having gone through the season that they had when Kyrie and and Gordon Hayward were down and seeing how much the, the, the crowd kind of rallied behind an underdog and how much they hated the a team that had high expectations that was underachieving, that's a good kind of like, all right, this is for us to play here, for us to be good here, we, and for us to win over these fans, we have to be good we have to put forth the effort and we have to like show the fans We have to show the city that we want it as much as they do. And, and I think Brad Stevens helps foster a lot of that stuff. Uh, When, when things are going uh, maybe a little too great, he's there to kind of keep them in check. When things are going uh, a little too poorly, he's there to pump them up. He does a very good job of kind of being the counterbalance to whatever the, the kind of popular feeling is or the prevailing feeling is. So those things, more than anything, I think, have kind of propelled them uh, to this position. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, I can uh, certainly speaking from from an Orlando perspective, uh, good coaching and just kind of that even tempered coaching just it goes so far in helping. I think it really in helping young players kind of understand what they need to do in the NBA. Uh, you know, Brad Stevens, you know, he seems like he's very very prepared. Like he he always you know he's he, he's that not, is he's, the number I mean, that, one thing that he is. 
Yeah, like he he's always like he you know he has that game plan down pat. He he provides all the information you know in a way that players can digest and gives them all the tools to succeed. And you know I, I kind of sometimes feel like you know certainly in Orlando you know you had coaches that maybe didn't reach the players that way or you know didn't you know certainly early on maybe didn't have you know all the all the didn't have all the tools available for the players. And, and you, if you kind of just, I feel like if you just kind of throw young players out there and say, go play, make mistakes, we'll, we'll talk about it later. That, that doesn't help them because it just kind of reinforces mistakes. And if you have a coach that's, that's prepared and says, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. If you don't do it, you, 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 you hear about it pretty quickly, but that coach is also going to be there to correct you, correct you, you know, next time you get into a practice or the next time you get into a film session. Um, it, it's just, it just feels like a, feels like a, a well-prepared coach, putting you in a winning environment is really such a big key for, for young players. And, you know, maybe not every young player responds well to that, but it feels like that's just so, so big in how young teams, especially, you know, kind of grow because, you know, I I still kind of feel like this Boston team, even though they have accomplished so much and I'm sure expectations in Boston, especially last year with Kyrie, you know, kind of outrace, you know, where they actually were at. It still feels like this Boston team is at the beginnings of something special, not, not anywhere near the peak of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how this hiatus, how this shutdown impacts that. Um, we've got uh, the big thing here looming over Boston is the Gordon Hayward $34 yeah. million dollar player option for next season. Um, it would seem on the surface that, of course, he would take that. Because no one is going to give him thirty-four million, and then you just kind of teams, hope he goes teams, from there. There probably won't be a team with thirty-four million dollars of cap space to no. give him. So the longer this goes, the more it seems like he he will do that. However, I've been advocating for a long-term agreement. If the Celtics can can talk to him and sit him down and say, "Look." Uh, the cap next season is it's just it's going to kill us. If you take that thirty four million, the tax bill is going to be like twenty. Million. They're going to pay for him to opt in. They're going to end up paying like sixty some odd million in salary and taxes for him. Uh, it, I think if they could figure out a way to get him to opt out and sign like a five year deal, and and give him a balloon payment, a thank you in that fifth year. And and say, look, we're we're going to give you a hundred, maybe more million, and by that point he's going to be thirty five. No one's going to be giving him whatever money is at the end of that contract uh, to to get next year's number down into like the seventeen eighteen million dollar range. That would be really helpful, and uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if they figured something out. Now, if they do that. And you've got Gordon Hayward locked up long term at reasonable money at 17, 18, 19 million for the next couple of years. Then you have a great piece that you couldn't get on the market that can do everything dribble, pass, uh, defend, play multiple positions, uh, understands the offense inside and out. And he is a huge key for what these guys are doing. So when you say at the start of something, Kemba and Gordon Hayward are kind of perfect for Tatum and Brown because Kemba, like I said, all he wants to do is win. Hayward is so programmed to make the next right play. As Brad Stevens says, he just, he is just going to, Hey, if, if two guys come at me, I'm going to give the ball up and I'm going to do what the defense dictates. And that will give 
Jalen Brown, all the open corner threes that he wants. That will give Jason Tatum all the space that he wants to go one-on-one because uh, that that passing out of a double team or drawing and kicking will, will help those guys continue to do what they do best. So figuring that out long-term, I think, helps – helps the Celtics. And and as Kemba and Gordon get older, they really ease into much more of a support system for these guys. So I would say that there's a, a really good potential for these guys to be pretty good for the next few years. And, and really the only question is, does Tatum take that superstar leap where he becomes one of the top five to 10 players in the NBA and, and makes the Celtics a title contender. Yeah. And that's always like the big question with young players is, is, is where do they kind of top off, top off? Let's take a quick break from our conversation so we can talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. And that's dinner. Because I don't know about you, it doesn't matter what time of day it is, I'm always thinking about what is my big meal going to be. Well, the good news is no matter what I'm thinking of eating, no matter what time of day I'm thinking of eating it, and no matter what kind of meal I'm looking to have, Postmates can deliver in the clutch. Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi, though. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery, too. So in addition to delivering from every restaurant that I can think of right to my door, they can order, they can deliver from convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late night fast food runs. I know we're all trying to practice our social distancing. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. That's right. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNBA. I'm going to say it 20 more times. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Again, use promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Okay, I only said it two more times. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. But with, with Hayward, you know, I, I, think, I think my listeners will have some interest because, you know, I know, you know, with... With all the trade, you know, if, if Hayward were to opt into that deal, there, there's always going to be trade rumors with the player on the last year of his contract, especially, like you said, if Boston has some of the financial questions, that financial issues that, that they have. And, and I know some Magic fans have 
kind of looked at Hayward a little bit and say, you know, maybe the Magic bite the bullet for a year on 34 million because they need just a guy who can create a little bit off the dribble. You know, do a lot of those right, do a lot of those right things, but shoot, create a little bit. You know, be a primary scorer. It's something the Magic have desperately needed. How, how has Hayward looked this year? I know he's averaging like 17 points per game or so. Has he started to look like the Hayward of old? Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's ever going to play like he did in Utah. Uh, not only was he younger, he was the focal point in that offense. And so I think mentally he knew he had to be that number one option. Uh, he is, he's healthy. There's some lingering stuff in his ankle, not as far as like structural damage necessarily, but there is a little bit of a nerve issue. Like there is, for lack of a better term, there is like permanent damage in there that will maybe flare up from time to time and be painful. It's something he has to manage. Yeah, but it's just, it. like I said, it's nerves. And so it's it's not like there's a structural bone thing that's just like, oh, his ankle's never going to move the right way. Or but it's, it's because of the nerve damage, it, there's going to be pain and it's going to just be general pain from time to time. He missed a couple of games with it this year, but then they they figured out where to put the cortisone shot and he's he was okay after that. So uh physically I think he's he's pretty much I would say 90% of what he was prior to the injury um which is which is pretty close and and pretty good. Uh maybe there's a little bit of not jumping quite as high as he used to, but as far as playing the game, I mean he's he's got a burst, he can still get by players off the dribble he can still stop and pop and he sees the game extraordinarily well so uh i think i think hayward is is back to playing pretty close to what he was before the injury yeah that's i mean just as a basketball fan that's that's good to hear because he's he's such an such an interesting player to, or he's, such, he's such a good player on, on his own uh let's turn our attention then to uh, what this what this matchup might look like. So if if the Celtics were to finish second, the Magic were to finish seventh, uh, and, and face each other in the playoffs, you know, when whenever that may be. Um, the first thing I want to ask you is, what are your impressions of the Orlando Magic? The Celtics and Magic have played each other twice. Boston won both pretty handily. Uh, what what is what are your impressions uh, from of the Magic from from what you've seen from what you've seen or heard? Well, I had to go refresh my memory because it feels like we played you guys <laughs> like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Every, it, it, everything, everything feels like it was two years ago at this point. It's, it's wild. It's so weird being without basketball this long. <laughs> um, the, the thing about when the Celtics and the Magic played, twice the Celtics, and, and this was the big problem with the Celtics this year, they were, they've never been healthy. So in one game, the Celtics didn't have uh, Marcus Smart and uh, Kemba Walker. In the other game, the Celtics were missing, I believe, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So I haven't seen the Celtics really match up against the Orlando Magic. Um, I know that Evan Fournier killed us for for a while. Uh, I remember uh, in Orlando... They were just getting trounced in the first half, but then the Celtics turned to Javante Green as a defender. Yeah, um, that really helped kind of turn things around. 
kind of kept Terrence Ross in check. Um, look, the, the, the magic have some, some good size that would really challenge the Celtics. Um, I remember Vooch was, was smoking the Celtics on the boards, uh, if I recall correctly. And, and he was a problem for a stretch in that game. It'd be interesting to see how the Celtics kind of attack that. They, they didn't really use, uh, let me go through. I, I don't recall them using Ennis Cantor in that I think, game. I think Cantor was hurt. He might've been hurt. Game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was hurt the game in Orlando and then the game in Boston. I've got both box scores up. He also, he played 25 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Seven points, uh, eight rebounds. Yeah. So the, the, the size that Orlando has would, would be the biggest challenge. I think that the Celtics would have to, uh, face defensively. Um, but I, I think the Celtics would would force the issue. Um, I know Orlando was tough defensively this year, um, but the Celtics offense, if if everybody comes back healthy and there we get to see a full Celtics team playing against the Orlando Magic, I think the Celtics just have too many weapons. And I, I, I just don't know how the how Orlando defends the Celtics especially like what do you what do you do with Tatum who do you who do you double off of to 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 deal with Tatum and then Tatum I think one of his biggest progressions later in the season was figuring out how to pass out of those double teams like at the very end of the season the Celtics they they had a stretch uh, that started out in Los Angeles where Tatum was was doubled a ton and he didn't know how to handle it in LA but then against Portland and against Utah he started to figure that out a little bit and even in that last game against the Pacers which was the the game in LA where he really got double teamed was the end of February so it was only a few weeks worth of him kind of saying, oh, wow, I'm getting, I'm really getting blitzed a lot. I would say that Orlando would probably try to do that. And he's figured out uh, how to handle that a lot more. So, I mean, really the matchup to me, it, it, it feels fairly lopsided unless somehow Orlando can use that size to their advantage. Um, but even then I trust Daniel Tice, uh, who, who's been, you know, under the radar around the league, but in Boston, we we've loved how he's played. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the the biggest question, you know, until this year, I, I felt like Aaron Gordon played Jason Tatum pretty tough. Like I, I don't recall Tatum having any big games against Orlando until until this season, when I think Tatum had thirty against Orlando in that win, and and Gordon came right back at him at twenty three. So I think a Gordon Tatum matchup would be fascinating in the playoffs. Cause I think Gordon, you know, certainly I think is up to the challenge defensively. Orlando might have to send a second defender a little bit just to, just to make Tatum think or throw different, different look at him. But, but I think Gordon would certainly be capable of, for the most part, you know, you know, handling Tatum one-on-one, you know, maybe the magic decide, you know, we'll let Tatum, we'll let Tatum kind of go one-on-one on one. And if he can beat Gordon, he can beat Gordon and, and we'll worry about staying on the other guys. Um, you know, the big wild card in any matchup, any hypothetical playoff matchup at this point, now that we've got, you know, uh, you know, the playoffs are probably going to happen two months after they were supposed to is the potential that Jonathan Isaac returns. And if Jonathan Isaac returns, 
he is definitely capable of of defending a Jason Tatum one-on-one. And, and, and like you said, putting that added length, I think, helps an Orlando team match up better with Boston. Because right now, if you've got Gordon and, you know, and James Ennis or Gordon and Terrence Ross, that, that's, that's not as much length as, as if Jonathan Isaac's out there with his, with his swarm, with his, you know, length and his, and his kind of swarming defense that, that he provides, especially since he's essentially the Magic's best rim protector at this point. Um, I, I think Isaac, you know, and I said this about the Toronto series too, like Isaac probably makes the series a whole lot more competitive just with him on the floor because he's, because he's just so good defensively. Yeah, I mean that does change the dynamic, right? I mean that that's something yeah. that um, that goes along with you know the the ability the ability to defend the rim is going to be huge if Orlando were to face Boston uh, because you've got uh, Tatum who likes to attack and Kemba Walker who likes to attack and Jalen Brown who likes to attack and if if you can especially Tatum, if you can discourage him a little bit, uh, frustrate him a little bit, uh, that, that could be something that, um, that works in Orlando's favor because if he stops and starts taking shots from the mid range, then he starts to really kind of go through some of those bad habits. Um, and he's not good in the mid range. He, he can hit some tough shots and, I think like the perception from of, of Tatum is like, wow, he operates here and, and look, he, he hits a couple of tough ones from 15 feet. And you're like, wow, you know, he, he can really do that. And you look at the numbers and he's like 38% from that range. And you're like, yeah, he hits a couple of tough ones, but that's the shot you want to give him. And if Kemba isn't feeling a hundred percent, because he at the end of the season had a sore knee. And if you're like, he, he played in the all-star game and then afterwards he had to get his knee drained and he missed the entire post all-star West coast swing. And then after that, he, he just didn't have that same burst. Now, if that knee is fine, then that changes a lot of things. But if he doesn't have that same burst and he can't get to the rim and he doesn't feel comfortable now having Isaac there makes things a little bit interesting. What, it, what ends up happening there is the focus for, for the Celtics would probably turn to creating perimeter shots and, and, and trying to draw Isaac away um, from the rim. And so you might see, you might see the Celtics go super small. The counter would be you put Marcus smart in the lineup and you run smart Kemba, Jalen, Jason Hayward. And then where does Isaac go there? I mean that I think I think Magic fans might might relish that because that might get Vucevic off the floor and, and we might finally see an Isaac at the five lineup, which I know a lot of Magic <laughs> fans have, a lot of Magic fans have been begging for you know a Fultz Fournier Ross Gordon Isaac lineup just to just to just to go like just just go full on small ball let Isaac kind of fly around protect the rim. I mean I, I don't think you could do that for long unless unless the other team goes small like that. If Tatum's playing the five, you know the Magic can can definitely downsize enough to, to play the five. It, Clifford may not be super comfortable with it because I don't think it's a lineup he's tried very much. And I, I don't get the sense he's kind of an off-the-wall innovator thinker where he's just he, he tries it even in a practice. Um, and especially, again, this is all hypothetical. Who knows if Isaac will be ready to play when the playoffs start up? I mean, I, I think a lot of us are hopeful that he will be, but um, I, I still think that that is a, a, a huge question mark. But, you know, definitely a, 
you know, I, I definitely, I think the magic would, I think magic fans for sure. And I would too. I'd like to see them, you know, sort of like the Draymond Green, the, the, the death lineups that the Warriors put out end of the first, end of the first half, just throw that lineup out there for two minutes and let them just kind of run amok to close the quarter. If, if you can, you know, you got to try it a few times first, but you know, especially in the playoffs, if that's the matchup, if that's what the matchup gives you, I mean, the magic can certainly, I think downsize enough to, to get, to get there. And, and, you know, even then, like you look, you look at the, the the lineup that the Celtics put out there. The Magic still would have, I think, a length advantage uh, in, in that case. Yeah, I mean th- that would be the, that would be one of the things. Like I said before, it, it's all about the length and and using that to to your advantage. The Celtics' advantage is, I think, they have the talent advantage. Um, they've got better. They've and they've got better shot makers. I mean, I think. Yes. I think I think in, in any of these series, and I think this is what the Magic discovered in last year's playoffs. Teams know how to stop your base sets. And, and I know this is something that Steve Clifford has said, you know, over and over and over again this year, especially when the Magic were struggling offensively early on in the year. We run our sets really well. It's when you have to go make a play that we've really been struggling. And, and the Magic just, you know, don't have a guy that can beat a set defense. Um, you know, Fultz was getting a little bit better at that as, as the season went on, but uh, he's essentially a rookie and he's not a jump shooter. I mean, his mid-range jump shooting's probably been better than I think a lot of us expected it to be. But the Magic, the Magic just don't have a lot of shot making. They they, they got to rely heavily on their defense and you know and and if they're missing shots and and the Celtics and I think this is what the Celtics did really well in the second matchup in Boston when the Celtics get out and transition when the Celtics could get out and transition and the Magic started missing shots, that's when the Magic really fell behind. Yeah. That, I mean that that that's what it is. I and mean, the Celtics the Celtics just have so much firepower offensively. Um, they if they if they can really maximize, and that's been the the case for them all year. Like this isn't even matchup specific. If they can get out and get into transition, their their best basketball was played when Jason Tatum gets into passing lanes. Jalen Brown gets into passing lanes. Jalen Brown's really good on ball defender too. Strips a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, Marcus Smart triggering this. Uh, when those guys are active defensively, I would talk about the offense a lot. When the Celtics are active defensively, that's when things can get out of hand for the opponent real fast because there's a, there's a lot of confidence to what the Celtics are doing. If the Celtics get a few of those transition buckets and they're feeling good about themselves, those other shots start to go in. Jalen Brown is is a big kind of confidence, momentum, riding type of player. Jason Tatum can, especially at the end of the season, post-All-Star or, or post-All-Star selection. I mean, he, he talked about it a little bit, and I don't know if Orlando fans heard about it or not, but he talked about – he put so much pressure on himself, on himself earlier in the season – that he kind of swung high and low when it came to um, reacting to, yeah, when it came to reacting to whether he was an all-star or not. Then he gets named an all-star and he's like, boom, done. Takes off rocket ship, another level. That guy can get hot in a hurry. And if he's riding that confidence of a couple of breakaway dunks, then you're looking at a 30 to 17 quarter. Uh, and, and, and that's where the Celtics can really get going. And I, I haven't followed Orlando closely enough to know what kind of turnover team that they are, but I feel like the Celtics can force a bunch of turnovers 
there, there might still be a little bit of sloppiness there. And if the Celtics are forcing turnovers, you're toast. Yeah. Uh, the, the, just to, just to add, supplement those with some stats, Boston fourth in the league in defensive rating, uh, so far this year at 106.2 points allowed per 100 possessions, the magic third in turnover rate at 12.7%. Um, you know, Steve Clifford teams are very good at protecting the ball usually, but you know, I, I think, I think something that is worth noting is the magic turned the ball over a lot more against the Raptors, a good, a good turnover team last year, obviously, um, in the playoffs, I do think playoff intensity is something different and, you know, we know what the Magic looked like last year when they were a little green. You know, they, 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 not pun excuse there, uh, <laughs> when they, when they uh, didn't have playoff experience. I, I am curious, uh, personally, I mean, I think this is honestly what the whole Magic season's been building up toward, not necessarily that they can win a series, but just to see how they handle being in the playoff atmosphere again. Because I, I do think playoff experience does matter. Um, I, it does and it doesn't matter. But I do think that, you know, the Magic definitely looked a little overwhelmed by the stage at times last year. And, and I, I am more than curious. I'm more curious with the Magic, not necessarily whether they win a series because they're going to be a seven seed. They're not going to win a series. I, 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 I'm not under any predict, pretension of that. I, I'm curious whether they play better, just overall play better. You know, maybe get a game, maybe get two games, um, but just, just play better. I know, I know, you know, Steve Clifford said after the series last year against the Raptors, that he expected the Magic to, to compete a little bit better than they did. And, and I think that was more of a sign of the stage and the moment got a little big for them. They, they were just a little wide-eyed. And, and yes, they played the eventual champion Raptors. So they, they played a very, very good team. Um, yes. but, but I think, I think it, it, got, it got to them a little bit. And, and you know, the Celtics are a very playoff battle-tested battle, battle team. So you know, I imagine that they, they know they have to up their game and their defense will be even better when the playoffs begin. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Orlando, like I, I never would say that Orlando was kind of like a walkover. I think the Celtics would yeah. be favored in this and, and I think the Celtics should win. Uh, all things considered, they should, they, the series would look easier than it was. You know what I mean? Like if they play seven games and the Celtics win in five or six, it'd be like, oh yeah, Celtics cruised. But those would be like five or six tough games that the Celtics. I don't, yeah. I don't think the like, Celtics like even like, even like, yes, the Celtics won both the, both games so far this year, you know, pretty handily. I think it was 16 in Boston and nine or 11 in Orlando. They were still like just drag out fights. I, I mean, they, I mean, yeah. Orlando ultimately just didn't have the talent to kind of get to the finish line. Uh, I, I think that's what it ultimately came down to. Like Jason Tatum made plays in Boston that won them that game. And, and Aaron couldn't, you know, Aaron was Aaron Gordon was step for step with him, you know, scoring wise at least for three quarters, and then Tatum, you know, had that last ga- that last kick in the final in the fourth quarter to, to win the game, and Orlando just couldn't keep pace at the end. Yeah, I mean that that's that's basically that's basically it. Yeah, it's yeah it, it boil it just boils down to the Celtics, like you said before, they just get more talent and more positions. Even if this, even if Orlando has like a few even fairly even, or even a couple of positions where they might have a slight advantage. Uh, the Celtics have, I, I just, just too much. Uh, and, and I, I like Orlando. I like their team. Uh, I think there's promise there. I, I don't know how far it'll really get, but, uh, they're, they're, they're missing something to get to the next step. I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've kind of been on the train, you know, there, yes, there are, there's still, you know, that, that group of fans that I think every fan base has it, who says, this team can't win a title. We should just start. We should just start over or, or play the lottery, especially as a seven or eight seed. They're just like, what's the point of making the playoffs? I'm just like playoff experience is important guys. Like it's, it's not nothing. 
but I, I do think that you know, there's there's nothing the Magic can do the rest of this season outside of missing the playoffs, which I I don't think they will unless they do some play in tournament to to incentivize everyone where they put the eight seed up for up as a prize in a tournament setting, which you know then who knows what happens. But um, if this were a regular finish to the season, I, I I think that that the front office and management they know what they have to do. They, they I'm sure they've already begun discussing. You know, this these are the, these are the moves we have to make. These are the players we have to target. This is what we have to do to get to the next step. And no matter what happens the rest of the season, whether the Magic would have won 42 games again and finished seventh or won 37, 38 games and finished eighth, nothing nothing would change that ultimate kind of mission that the front office has. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. I mean, I, I would not want Orlando to go down the, the quote-unquote process road of Philly and say, well, they we tried. tried. It didn't work. Yeah, I mean... Uh, <laughs> But they tried. It didn't work. There's there's talent. There's talent there. There are moves to be made. Um, this is this is a, a critical time, I think, for for the Magic to make sure you're making the right moves, keeping the right the right players, and doing things that you know you got to you do have to be honest with yourselves. But I I say that coming from a Boston perspective, Orlando's a different place. Orlando, what's what's important to people in Orlando? is different than what's important to people in Boston versus New York versus Philly versus Milwaukee. It, it's the whole thing is you're putting a product together for the fans. And, and yes, the goal is to win a championship, but we get so championship focused sometimes that you lose the, you lose sight of the, the good, the very good, the entertaining, like this is in the end, entertainment and if you if it's a team that you like and it enter it entertains you and it just so happens to be a first or second round loss then you say well you know what that was fun let's see if we can kind of fix what's broken and try to do better next year and not look at things so negatively where you say oh it was a first round loss ah the whole season was a disaster like no like i, I see value in making these playoff runs, having entertainment, having something to cheer for, having something to look forward to, and then seeing like, all right, let's see how we can improve on that. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like it's, it's always, there's, there's a process to this and you, and you can't, I think, especially, you know, not, not to, not to tell the young kids to get off my lawn, especially in today's society, it always feels like everyone wants things to happen immediately, or they feel like it should happen immediately. And, and this is, and, you know, honestly, in Orlando, things happen so quickly for this for this franchise. I really do think that there's there's something in the Magic fan base that expects kind of instant gratification because you know year three the Magic get you know after year three the Magic get Shaquille O'Neal and and all of a sudden they are the team and and they never really had to grow and develop a team until really even even Dwight Howard things developed fairly quickly. I mean, they had you know within two years they were in the playoffs and within. Uh, within three or four years of his career, they'd won their first division there. You know, they were, they were getting out of the first round and, and, and they're, you know, obviously they were off to the races from there. Um, it, each, each, honestly, each failure, as long as you don't fail the same way, each failure should make your team better. And, and if it, and if it doesn't, that's when you have a problem. If, if you have a setback and you don't find a way to get better, or you don't find a way to learn from it and you just repeat the same mistake, that's when that's when you have a problem. That's when you've kind of hit your wall and 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 are stuck. And and I think 
this Magic team, you know, they brought a lot of the same pieces back from last year. I think they were prepared and, and somewhat expected perhaps a similar season or a season like they're having now where, you know, maybe they didn't take that next step, but now they're better informed to figure out what comes next. Um, you know, we've seen Jonathan Isaac play, you know, exceptionally well. You know, unfortunately, there was an injury that kind of sapped a lot of the int- interest out of the season for for a lot of fans and, and frankly, and, and and for the team, a lot of things they probably wanted to get accomplished they couldn't do because their best player and the most interesting player was sitting on the bench with a with a freak knee injury, to be frank. Um, and, but you also get a guy like Markel Fultz, who you've kind of reclaimed off the off the trash heap, so to speak, who looks like he could be a real player. And, This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know, honestly, one of the things that I'd be most interested in if the Magic did play the Celtics is Kemba Walker's been a thorn in the Magic side ever since he came to Charlotte. He usually reserves his best games for the best games for the Magic and has just always torched the Magic's point guards. And he torched, you know, he torched uh, uh, Fultz in, in, the, in the game that they played in Orlando, but Fultz is a much different player now than he was in January. I would be really intrigued to see what Fultz has learned and whether Fultz can, can at least contain Kemba a little bit uh, in a playoff series. And I think that would be a matchup that could, you know, turn, turn, the, series, turn the series, you know, from, you know, maybe a four or five game series into a, a more interesting five or six game series. Yeah, I, I think the the addition of Fultz that that was a, a nice uh, addition, um, and, and I do think that there is his defense can be a a real significant help for um, Orlando. Uh, I don't know what he's ultimately going to be, but that's the that's the type of swing that you take when you talk about rebuilding. You take a swing on a guy that had clear top talent and clear kind of consensus like oh yeah number one pick sure um it wasn't a reach he something happened between the draft and him starting out his career in philly if you can get back to some form of that and you know he doesn't have to be the star player um that that's something that that that's the chance you kind of take so i think him defending and and his just natural basketball ability, his ability to see the floor, um, especially if, if he's used in a second unit role, uh, the, the Celtics do have, if there's the, the biggest weakness for them, uh, aside from a lack of general size, is that they're not particularly deep. And for the Celtics to succeed in the playoffs, 
they are going to need to ride their top basically six or seven guys for a long time. Like they're going to bring Marcus Smart off the bench um, and they're going to need him to be playing like 40 minutes off the bench. And, and the rests that they give their, their starters are going to be short. They're not going to, they're not going to rest much. And it'll, it'll almost be kind of situational with the centers. If Ennis Cantor goes in and within two minutes, he's like very obviously not, uh, it's not working, then he's done, done for the night. Uh, and then you see if if Robert Williams can come in and give the team something. But really, once you get past uh, Marcus Smart, it's a crapshoot. And I know Grant Williams had a couple of really good games, shooting nights against Orlando, but that's not a guarantee that he's going to be able to do that, especially as a rookie in the playoffs. So any sort of depth that Orlando can throw at the Celtics uh, will, will help, especially if the Celtics, for some reason, are, aren't, fully healthy if if that injury bug kind of continues then that would be where you have some sort of uh opportunity yeah i i think i think you know if the magic were to play the celtics it would definitely be a very interesting series i i i think i think like you said i i don't think it would be uh an easy series I, you know boston boston wins I, i'm not i'm not i'm not here to start that fight um, but I, I do, I do think that the Magic would 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 test the Celtics in in, in some ways. Um, you know, before I ask you for for your hypothetical prediction, um, knowing that we both probably believe the Celtics would win that series, how far do you think the Celtics can go in in this in the playoffs? You know, whenever they whenever they resume, uh, I thought that they would be challenging for the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I think obviously a first round they can get past the second round. Uh, well, well, it kind of depends. The essential, on the question, the essential question is: Can they can they beat Toronto? <laughs> can they beat Toronto? And they can. Uh, those teams are so evenly matched. Yeah, I, I think I don't think it's unrealistic to say that the Boston Celtics facing the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks in an Eastern Conference Finals uh, is out of the question. You know what I mean? Like that's something that. Yeah. I think would would be okay. possible, likely. Um, you know, so uh, could they beat Milwaukee? That that would be a stretch. Uh, but again, not impossible that they could beat uh, Milwaukee. But that that would be where uh, I think the end uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and I, I think especially with. Like you, like we said, how young that team is and how much growth they still have to go have to do, and especially if they play an entertaining style. I mean, they are a scrappy team, and 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 you know we didn't even talk until forty five minutes into this thing about our Lord and Savior Taco Fall, um, who obviously <laughs> would not be playoff eligible, but but still still an important piece of Orlando basketball history uh, that that should be mentioned in in every podcast. Uh, uh, talk, uh, I, I I feel remiss if I didn't ask how awesome is Taco Fall. We love taco, man. Everybody loves taco. Uh, I I thought at the beginning that he was a little bit too much of uh, he's being treated too much like a circus sideshow, and and Brad Stevens certainly felt like that. But I think as things kind of progressed, you start to realize he's he's just a genuinely good kid. Uh, he's good. He's like one of the purest souls that I've seen. Like he just generally just wants to have fun and 
learn and be good and help people. You just can't help but like a guy like that. Um, all the guys on the team love him. Uh, he's he's just a, a great personality and, and very, I mean, as a member of the media, he's very open and accommodating. I couldn't ask for anything more. I, I really do enjoy Taco Fall. Yeah. And I mean, I, I covered, I, I did some UCF stuff my his freshman year, I want to say. And uh, you know, I, he's obviously opened up a lot more since then as, as college players tend to do as they, as they get older. But you know, you could, you could see already, you could see even then like, yes, the size was there, but, but I, I feel like he's a lot more athletic than you think for a guy, his size, like there's not he a lot of seven, well. six guys who can move. Yeah. He move he moves well for a guy that size, I, you know, how, how much of an NBA future does he have? I don't know. He's learning a lot of things. He's trying a lot of things. Uh, you know, I've had conversations with Celtics assistant coaches where they're like, you know what, this kid has something and it may not happen right away. It may not happen now, but he has something that is, is NBA level. So they, they like him. Um, I don't know what opportunities are going to present themselves because he's a two-way player. So after the season, he's basically a free agent. And um, I know that he's close to these Celtics and, and he likes the organization. So he might want to stay and, and continue as part of it. And, and it depends on like, does he do another two-way deal or does somebody else come along with more guaranteed money um, and gives him even even a, a minimum NBA contract to try to lure him away. Uh, that that's going to be that's going to be the big question with with Taco. But uh, I like him. He moves well, uh, and and he's he's learning a lot and he's improving quickly. Yeah, for sure. And 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 I know I know fans in Orlando that fans in Orlando are definitely quiet Celtics fans just just for just for Taco. So so we we we, we love. We love seeing Taco doing really well well up here. Uh, obviously, he's beloved in Orlando, and, and definitely glad to hear that he is he is finding his niche in Boston as well. Uh, final hypothetical prediction: <laughs> Who who do you have winning this series, and, and in how many games? Uh, I would say Celtics, um, probably in five. Uh, I will I will take Celtics in five with the possibility of six if Isaac plays. Um, that that might yeah, be my rose color. That's glasses. fair. That's fair, um, but uh, I I think Isaac Isaac might. It's it's hard. It's amazing to say this. He, he's he was so good this year. He might be the difference between, but of one game in a playoff series, which is which is pretty incredible uh, for for a player like him. But well, hopefully we'll see. Hopefully we'll see him. Hopefully we'll see this series play out. Um, so hopefully we'll be talking about this again in July, um, or or in a couple months, uh, when whenever the season resumes. Um, but John, uh, tell tell everyone where where they can find you. Well, you can find me on Twitter, which is my online home at Reds Army underscore John. Obviously, the Lockdown Celtics podcast, and I uh, cover the Celtics for MassLive.com. Yep, definitely check out John. He's a good friend, good friend of ours here on the pod- podcast. Uh, we we miss having you down here for summer league. Um, so hopefully, we'll have you down here for. Uh, it probably won't be down here. It might be down here if they choose if they decide to hold the playoffs at Disney. But hopefully, we'll have you down here for for the for the playoff for the playoffs soon. Yeah, it would be fun, man.
My thanks to John Corrales for joining us on the podcast to discuss the Boston Celtics a little bit. Some interesting conversation there, both on how teams rebuild, the growth of the Boston Celtics as a young team into a title contender. Gordon Hayward, I know a guy, as I mentioned there, that I know several Magic fans have, have asked me about over the over the year about whether he would be a good trade target to give the Magic kind of that score they've been looking for. Taco Fall, of course, and of course, uh, what would, I think, be a really interesting first-round series between the Magic and the Celtics, of course. Boston has some work to do to get there. Orlando has some work to do to, do to get there. And, of course, the season has to resume as we would expect. But I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You, of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore on D. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can, of course, uh, follow Locked on Celtics as well wherever you download podcasts. And John is over at Red's Army John. Uh, or Red, uh, Red's Army John as well, if you want to follow him. He, he, is, he, is, he is one of, the, to me, uh, Red's Army, uh, the blog that he used to write for before he started writing for Mass Live, one of the OG blogs, uh, first first like one of team blogs that I was really familiar with. Uh, John, John, I feel like, is, is one of the OG kind of blo- bloggers or team writers. Um, so definitely definitely a guy that, that I've followed for a very long time. Uh, I'm, happy, I'm happy to have gotten to know him, happy to have talked to him here. Um, definitely worth a follow if you're interested in the Boston Celtics at all. Before we log off, I do want to remind you all you can check out all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Lockdown Fantasy Basketball. They're going through and kind of doing a dynasty watch for all the teams in the NBA. So the Orlando Magic have not come up yet, but if you're in a fantasy league or a dynasty league, they're helping you pick the guys that you should keep for next season. On the latest episode of Lockdown Fantasy Basketball, they do a dynasty watch for the Phoenix Suns, asking who is a better prospect, DeAndre Ayton or Devin Booker? Uh, I think I think the answer there might be a little obvious, but they dive deep into the Phoenix Suns roster and how 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 that that, that team will continue to develop. Definitely check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball if you are a fantasy basketball player. But that's going to do it for me. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Ross and Mike. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic. Your daily Orlando Magic Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.